Space burgers out there. It's your old pal David Huntsberger. Although you already probably know that if you are listening to this show, I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. And to those of you who are mothers, I hope it was even better than the people I just wish Mother's Day to because it was, in fact, your day. It was also the junk show. I have no idea how it went as I'm recording this prior to it happening, but one can only hope that it was a masterpiece and a wonderful outing. And if you're in Los Angeles the second Sunday of any month, come on, check out The Junk Show if you like uh, variety, music, comedy, animation, things of that nature. The next one in June, I will not be there because I'll be at a wedding. And uh, I think somewhere around that time, I'm also going to be in Denver. So to those of you in Denver, if you want to come see me do a little bit of stand-up comedy, I'll be opening for my friend Chad Daniels at the Comedy Works South and that's like June 14th through 16th. So not doing a whole lot of uh, road dates and uh, gigs this year, but that's one of the ones I will be doing. So if you want to come out, it's roughly, I'll probably be doing the same jokes I was doing last year around this time when I toured through that area. But nevertheless, it'd be good to see you. Thanks to those of you who've uh, obviously supported the show and, and rated and subscribed and support the show on Patreon. I thoroughly appreciate it. Thanks to those of you who have been reaching out a little bit more recently with um, suggestions, whether it's uh, guests or beer or music. I appreciate it. It helps the show. It helps me get ideas on like what you want to listen to, what kind of music you want to hear. So I appreciate it. Um, and a while ago, I mentioned someone reaching out and I didn't mention the name. That person never contacted me and said, hey, yeah, definitely keep my name off the podcast. So to Jeremy Ross, thanks for uh, the shout out. And if you should be accosted by people because your name is mentioned on this little known podcast, well, I apologize. And I suppose in the future, if any of you don't want to be publicly outed as listening to this show, you just make a little note or mention in your email and saying, hey, don't don't say my name or don't say my full name or whatever. But as uh, none of you have done that, and I imagine there will be no ill will sent your way, should be fine. Um, also, thanks to Val for some suggestions. So try to get in touch with the guests that you've mentioned and or play the music or source the beer or whatever third thing I'm thinking and not remembering. Anyway, let's get to part two with David Hitt, wonderful author, lover of space, Proud Huntsvillian, I suppose that's what they call it. I never asked him that. I hope you enjoyed part one. And part two gets even more more out there, I guess you would call it. I don't know. And thanks to Dan for doing a lot of work, uh, kind of cleaning up this Skype talk. I appreciate, I believe it was Lauren who reached out and suggested a different method to record things when I am not in the same area as the person I am chatting with. So I'll give those a go and hopefully in the future have a more crystal clear connection little alliteration there for you English toe. What is happening with my language skills? English toe? <laughs> for those of you English toe out there, there's a little alliteration for you. Whew, I don't know what's going on. Apologies, you guys. Starting your Monday off, starting your week off with this sort of nonsense, that's... That's no good. I will try to make the the calls sound a little better in the future. But for now, I hope this one sounds good enough. And uh, please enjoy part two with David Hitt. David Hitt, we're back with part two. And we left off talking about the projection of, which is my favorite, I think. Anyone that you speak to, whether it's just a stranger at an airport or wherever you might run into them versus someone who spends their life really immersed in either the research or the understanding, or in your case, the communication of, and it's in particular with rockets in space, which I think is so fascinating that like you probably have a more reasoned perspective than, than any of those other people I mentioned. However, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that, you, that you have a better insight because like you mentioned, the kids that ask questions and then you ask them to solve it, you know, like, well, you tell me. That's kind of what we're living in now where like 
the most advanced person in rocketry and understanding, like, I think this is how the solar system is going to evolve, would still be really just kind of throwing darts at the idea of here's where I think we're going. Here's what I think it means. But I'm curious what your thoughts are as to like how humanity plays into it versus like technology and what benefit is there to us getting out and sort of colonizing, I suppose, other places within the solar system and what what benefit is there beyond us just putting more and more of our crap places? Like, do you have a more uh, sort of noble purpose for us or how do all those all those sort of thoughts swirl together for you? And, you know, the funny thing about about being involved in in space advocacy, the, 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 the funny thing about being somebody who's who's trying to communicate about space, trying to communicate the the value of space, is that there's no answer. And by that I mean there are so many answers. You know, you you could have anybody involved in this world, you know, on on, on the show, and you could ask them that question. You know, why do we do this? And you're going to have somebody sit there and say, well, you know, man, you know, Mars. You go to Mars, and Mars is is a is a template of the development of the solar system. So like learning about how our planet formed, we can learn things about our planet by going to Mars that we couldn't learn here. And, and, you know, man, that's, that's, that's a great answer. It's a valid answer. You know, you could have somebody come on and say, well, you know, you know, I mean, for every dollar that we invest in, in these really forward leaning, you know, in, in aerospace sorts of things, you know, you're seeing anywhere from a seven to one to 12 to one return in the economy. I mean, you know, if it's, if, as somebody from Reno, right? I mean, if, if you go to an, into a, an establishment and there's a machine there that, that you know if you put money into it, it's going to pay out seven to one, how much money do you put into that machine? You know, I mean, at, at what point do you stop feeding money into a machine that pays out like that? And that's a valid answer. You know, that's that's a very legitimate response. You know, a, a to me, a big one is, like I said, necessity is the mother of invention. We learn best. We we think hardest. We We innovate the most when we have a reason to do so, you know, challenges will always bring out the the best in what we can do. And space is incredibly challenging. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm cribbing here from Kennedy, right, who, you know, we do these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard, but because doing this hard thing will make us learn things that we otherwise would not be motivated to learn. And, well, to you know, jump in- JFK, he... He had some good stuff to say, so I, I think that's you know a decent argument as well. Yeah, he had, <laughs> and he said it so eloquently, and like those things, they, they resonate with us. And they, but I to go back to your point of like the necessity aspect. Are, do you think it is something that is inherently primitively in us the idea that there is a necessity when in reality, food, water, shelter, we've got those fairly solved on a on an individual level to a certain degree obviously on a global level in the developing world and things we're still struggling mightily with that but however like everything else beyond that you could argue that we've accomplished or created or done the necessity was sort of manufactured to a certain degree like they need a catalyst you know we, we create wars for ourselves and therefore the necessity is weapons and things sorry go ahead we're border collies we, my my wife and i just got to be a, a border collie puppy and he, he um he ate the floor sunday um <laughs> because which which was disappointing um but but they are dogs that need purpose and devoid of purpose they uh, they become bored and when they become bored they can be destructive and human beings are border collies i mean <laughs> we we need we need something to engage us and uh and lacking something to engage us we will become bored and uh becoming bored we will ultimately become destructive and i mean it's <laughs> it's it's a behavior that you kind of say, oh yeah you know what you know I, i'm not eating the floor yet but uh but i get where, you, where you're coming from there buddy <laughs> So yeah, the more that we can channel that into uh, the better angels of our nature, I think is uh, better for all involved. I mean, you know, better for us and the border collies. It's um, kind of yeah, the border collies that are also kind of a perpetual motion machine because in or- in order to not eat the floor, we extend ourselves, and create ma- unbelievable new problems that then become the necessity. Oh, we have to solve these. Oops, we we destroyed the environment or this ecosystem. Let's get to work on sustainable renewable technology. Let's figure out more effective ways to mine this thing or frack this thing or et cetera, et cetera. And then therefore, hey, look what we're doing. We've purified this water. Like, yeah, but you poisoned it. That, uh, <laughs> that's just humans. That's who we are. Right. Yeah. 
that's that's our that's our Twitter profile as a species. Um, <laughs> it, it's a thing that's very interesting to me and very exciting to me as as we're kind of entering a new era of exploration. As as there's starting to be more and more talk, you know, within NASA, SpaceX, Russia, you know, Europe, looking at exploring again in space you know, going we've, we've been in earth orbit for the last 30 40 years um starting to talk about let's go back to the moon let's 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 go out to mars because and this is i, I have no support for this i would love to, to have the time and bandwidth to like really legitimately study this question but for human history i mean for again for millennia the measure of who we were as a species kind of the the measure of our high water mark is how well we go right I mean, caravans crossing the desert. Can you go farther? Can you go to new places? Can you can you go faster? Can you go higher? Can you take more people with you? Transportation and, and that idea of either where we go or how we go. Again, that's that's the measurement. That's 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 how high tech are you? How successful are you? How well do you go? And it, and it revolutionizes society as a result. I mean, when you start talking about trade caravans, you know, even the people who who don't travel are affected by that travel. When you start talking about things like you know uh, commercial airliners, okay, now the people who aren't explorers are able to go to these places that you know that they never dreamed they could go. I a little a couple of years ago, within a span of a month. Watched the uh, watched the the sunrise in the Atlantic and watched the sunset in the Pacific. And for how much of human history has that even been possible? You know. Yeah, yeah. But somewhere along the way, and you know, definitely in the last fifty years, you know, so so fifty years ago, um, human beings went farther from home than they ever had. We went farther than anyone had ever been, and then this wall appears there. We've never crossed that mark in in half a century. And what's happened since then is our high water mark has ceased being how well do you go, and it's become how well do you stay, right? It's no longer can I go faster, can I go farther, can I go somewhere new, can I, can I take more people with me? It's can I be on my couch, and how comfortable can I make my couch? What can I do from my couch? <laughs> well, I and, was thinking uh, of it more in terms of um – when you, you know, the ultra marathoners and people or weightlifters or people that are kind of exploring what is a human body and, and how much say do I have in what it is? Can I control when it eats? Yeah, to a certain degree. But at some point when I start to starve, it really dictates things. Different brain chemistries start to come into play, orexin chemicals, et cetera, that start going, you're going to eat. Even if that means grabbing a rat and, and squeezing it to death and drinking its blood or something crazy like that, a human body might just take over and primitively do that. But people that are out running hundreds of miles in a day or lifting a bunch of weight trying to figure out, like, what can this thing do? What can I force it to do yeah. that it doesn't want to do? Is that collectively in us? Like, is that us as an organism overall? Like, that ability to stay, like you said, is that us providing hey, look, I saw the sunrise here. I saw the Pacific and I saw the sunset, you know, from these mountains. And I want you to be able to do that. Are, are we reaching back and helping one another? Is that humanity, do you think? It's it's certainly an aspect of us. You know, and I mean, the fun thing is, what can the human body do? We there There is a subset of who we are that loves optimization. I, I don't know that it's universal to the human condition, but you're going to have, you know, you're going to have some sub set of us as a species who I want to take X, you know, whatever X is, and I want to squeeze the the, the last bit out of it. Mm -hmm. Is that, does that speak to us universally? I, I, I don't know. I tend to, and so that's where I was going earlier. I can give you all of the answers. I can give you all of the justifications, all the rationales for why this is an important thing to do. But, but for me personally, yeah, I think there's a, a part of who we are that that desires that. I, I think there's a part of who we are that celebrates ourselves collectively. You know, I mean, historically, you know, 1968 was, you know, it will be remembered as, as a year of incredible turmoil, but where, you know, December of that year, the world hits the pause button for Apollo 8. I mean, you have, you know, Robert Kennedy being shot that year, Martin Luther King, you know, riots, and then you have human beings looking out their window as, as they pass the moon for the first time. And just we, we as a planet, we as a people, that's who we are. 
you know, I got to see a, a tiny microcosm of that three and a half years ago, the, uh, the first test flight of, um, of the, uh, the, the new Orion crew vehicle. I'm, I'm there to watch the launch, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm standing there and I'm waiting. And so I pull out my phone and I'm on Twitter and, and Twitter was Twitter, you know, I mean, <laughs> it was, it was a mix of, uh, of, of the best and worst of humanity. Um, <laughs> but then that launch approaches and, for that moment, it kind of drives everything out. I mean, it kind of that's that's the focus. You know, this is this is who we are. This is this is what we celebrate about not just ourselves as an individual, but but the sense of being a, a part of something. I, I have a picture. I, you know, I again going out talking to, uh, to to kids, talking to high school students about. Out, you know, the, the dates that we're sending people to Mars and I'll walk them through, you know, these are kind of steps in, in exploration. These are things that have to happen and, you know, and show pictures of near term stuff and show artist concepts of later term stuff. You know, here's a, an artist concept of of an astronaut standing on a moon of Mars and looking up at, you know, at a huge Mars filling the sky above. And I get to and then we're going to send people to uh, to Mars. We're going to have human beings on the on the, the, the the surface of Mars. And and what I show there, I say, you know, you, you probably expected me to show you an artist concept or, you know, a picture of uh, Matt Damon on the surface of Mars or something. But what I go to instead is a, uh, a picture of Times Square. Mm-hmm. I have a, uh, a picture of Times Square in the middle of the night on, oh, what, it would have been like August 6th, 2012. And Times Square in the middle of the night is is packed out and everybody's looking in the same direction. And what they're looking at is, you know, they're there and the, the big screens are there and the screens are showing the Curiosity rover landing on Mars. Oh, cool. And then I, and I, and I tell them, okay, stop and think about that for a second, right? Times Square is packed because all of these people want to come together, right? I mean, you can watch this in your living room, but they want to come together and watch a robot land on another planet. <laughs> now I said, I want you in your head to fast forward, you know, 20 years or whatever, and imagine what Times Square is going to look like when that's not a robot, but that's a human being landing on Mars. Yeah, How packed cool. that place is going to be and, and what they're going to be feeling, what they're going to be experiencing, what, they are, what that day is going to say about us, right? And, and, and that, that, for me, as much as anything, is kind of... That's kind of my why. Yeah, I love that. I think it, it for me to to be skeptical as is my nature on certain things. Not not skepticism in the sense that like that won't happen, but more so something you touched on of like how the world changes every single day and we can't plan for a year from now because technology and so many other things will be so dramatically different. Even the makeup of human behavior now is different than it was two, three, ten years ago, where those kids you're talking to had to probably be strictly told, no phones, put your phones away. And it's killing them as they're sitting there that they can't be looking at their palm and scrolling through things. And so do you think, like, as we... I'll miss that part of humanity, that part of us that all has our necks craned and we look up to something and are all kind of sharing a moment that's very sensitively, meaning like sensorily similar for all of us. We feel the breeze the same way. We smell the same things in the air if we have that, those senses. And we see the same thing. And, and the emotions are relatively similar. So then if humanity is this thing that's changing into uh, the, the singularity or in having an ability to like be enhanced with different technology and or maybe AI being the thing doing the heavy lifting for things like the Mars mission are those things that factor in that make you think like, oh, these moments that we have right now are specific to this time period and they may not be quite the same in the future? Yes and no. Yes and no, definitely. You know, I mean, I, I gosh, you know, when I was in um, middle school, elementary school, middle school, I could go into to, to, to class and like at recess, um, we could all talk about Thundercats <laughs> because... <laughs> Everybody in the class watched Thundercats, right? I mean, that that was like they were there were five channels. You're going to be watching one of those five channels, and if you're a kid, you're going to be watching the one with Thundercats. And so, you know, in the absence of of any other experience to have, you're going to be forced into shared experience. And you know, I mean, the days when uh, you know everybody loves Lucy are way behind us because you know we're uh, gosh, Springsteen. 
20 years ago, did a song, 57 channels and nothing on. And that seems so quaint. Oh, 57 <laughs> channels. Dude, poor thing. Gosh. <laughs> we're like a song we're, like we're so... 15 websites and nowhere to go. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah. So the more we the more we diversify, the more we fracture, the, 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 the more and more rare those things become. But I think... I, I think there's a part of us that still craves it. And I think it used to be a small pebble could do that. It used to be that a small pebble could could cause enough ripples that everybody feels it. And and now there's so many small pebbles that I'm not feeling your ripples. But yeah, you, you take a big enough boulder and, and I think the mechanics still kind of work in a similar way. And so I hope, I think, I dream that, yeah, something like Wall. Walking on another world is is a big enough boulder that uh, that it's felt more widespread. I hope so, man. It does feel like now even the boulders go in like a skilled diver with just a minimal splash. Sometimes, you know, like I think everyone that was alive and and of a certain age around like uh, September eleventh, two thousand and one, if. Uh, <laughs> for people like which year uh, of the people that saw those attacks and and that feeling that years later now everyone i think probably thinks of not and fondly sounds like the wrong word but there was a feeling where like everyone's guard was down everyone was really kind of effusively authentically sincere in their emotions very like whoo this this kind of slowed everything down for me even the most like bitter and cynical comedians were kind of like ah I'm, i don't have anything to say right now things like that were like whoa everyone was feeling this thing everyone's head was turned everyone was experiencing it and, you know, when you talked about like the boulders or the pebbles or if you have a GoFundMe going for to try to help someone and you, you just watch and see everyone kind of walk by and ignore it to a certain degree. Or when you experience loss and you wonder like, hey, why isn't the whole world sad that this person in my life is no longer here? And like, because everyone's dealing with that all the time. There's a million things that have everyone's attention. But even when it's something big, like a rocket launch, like Falcon Heavy recently, like get some traction on Twitter, but it wasn't the same as the moon landing. It wasn't, it didn't have that feel of like September 11th where everyone just doesn't go to work, turns off whatever they're doing and just kind of sits there going, whoa, what is this? But do you think like Mars or something like that, is that the next big boulder? Is that the, do we create those things for each other so that we have something to be excited about and root for and push toward the future? I tend to think part of part part of the human experience is we crave an us we want to feel that there is an us and that can be that's that's why everybody in your mississippi is at the football game on on friday night or thursday night rather because for them that's us right mm-hmm. i mean you know um yeah. ackerman's coming into town ackerman is them and and Eupora is us and so we're going to go to the uh, the football stadium and 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 watch us take on them and and the easiest way to have an us is to have a them i mean that's that's kind of where we default to Mm -hmm. falcon heavy was exciting i don't know how many people felt an us about it i mean it was it was an incredible thing to watch yeah but for a lot of people they, they they didn't have a hook to process it as us um <laughs> that right. was the thing that that Buzz Aldrin said, coming back from the moon, you know, they come back from the moon, they're in quarantine, they're given all of these, uh, all of these newspapers from around the world, here's all of the coverage of, of, of what you just did. And he said, the fascinating thing was, all of these papers from all over the world, there was this theme of, we did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Neil and Buzz did it, not NASA did it, not America did it, we did it. It was this moment where there could be an us that didn't require a them. And again, my dream, my hope, you know, kind of a thing that I pour myself into is can can we can we do that? Can we create this moment where there's there's an us that doesn't require a them? Can we can we make this a thing that that people get that they're a part of, right? I mean, that it's it's going to be humans have landed on mars again not you know not frank the astronaut not nasa or not spacex or not you know america or not russia humans have landed on mars if you're a human you landed on mars you're part of that you're us Mm -hmm. 
yeah, look what we did. Look where we are. You're right about the Falcon Heavy right. thing in that, because especially because there's such a one specific face and name so synonymous with SpaceX that you're like, it almost feels like, oh, look what that rich guy did. Oh, that's cool. It was almost like the equivalent of like, hey, this guy put in an infinity pool in his backyard and we all got to see it. That's kind of <laughs> neat. It doesn't have the same feel of like, well, and I used to do a stand-up bit and I'm sure like when the the concept appeared to me, I, it was a, a fairly like, ooh, uh, this thing I discovered. Or, and, However, there must have been many, many people, comedians even, that probably did this joke uh, or thought of it, or but certainly humans that went, oh, that's all we crave is an us and we'll never be an us on this planet until aliens show up or something to turn our collective attention to like, let's get them. And I remember feeling that and being like, right. oh, that's kind of all we are. Maybe that's just put together through movies, but I think that's genuinely real that we'd put our differences aside and be like, not now, man. We've got bigger fish to fry. It's these green dudes. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> the old uh, Watchmen comic book was that 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 was the uh, the story was, you know, this guy says, hey, I want to save humanity. The only way to save humanity is an alien threat. You know, I need to I need to give them green people to fight. Oh, interesting. Yeah. See, exactly. There's no original ideas anymore. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have beat them to it. I mean, that's, I don't know. Maybe it's stolen from you. <laughs> call, your, call, call your... I'll be pretty, when we get off the, uh, off the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'll go sue them. Hey, listen, when I was, when, I think I was like five when Watchmen came out. I was, This idea was percolating, fellas, and you know it. <laughs> Alan Moore time-traveled and uh, saw my routine. I can't rule it out. He seems like the sort of guy that can do, do that. And uh, still Watchmen from <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> so when you're talking to the kids, I mean... Are you able to be fairly clinical and just like, here's what is and here's what isn't? Or is it is it almost impossible not to kind of have this sense of wonderment that you're trying to like stoke within them? Not maybe infuse into them, but just like, yeah, if you have that, I want to see it and I want to excite that. I want you to be excited. I want you to crane your neck up and look in the sky and wonder what's out there. Well, and see... And this is this is who I am as a person is to me. Uh, there's no difference between those two. The wonder is why I do this. I mean, the I, I don't you know, I, I fear the day that uh, that I that I stop seeing that. I mean, my, my first book comes out, the Skylab book comes out. So my co-author, one of my co-authors on, on that book is um, is one of the Skylab astronauts, Owen Garriott. Um, his son was uh, it, it is um, Richard Garriott, who had uh, made you know a, a ton of money in the um, the computer gaming world. The uh, the Ultima games were his creation. I had, I had played his. I knew who the son was before I knew who the dad was. I mean, like middle school me was pl- playing Richard's video games before I had any clue who who this Owen Garriott guy was. And uh, and so Richard ends up taking his money and he flies to the space station. He buys a seat on a on a Soyuz rocket. Cool. And 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 he goes to the space station. And the timing was like the week that the book is coming out, um, my co-author son in space. So Richard's getting ready for his flight and uh, and he says, you know, hey, look, y'all y'all are gonna have this book coming out, it's gonna be coming out around the same time that I'm in space. You know, I, I don't have a lot of room, I can't carry the book, and I mean the book's not out anyway, but but is there something I could do? So Owen says, I tell you what, why don't we print out Little photo reproductions of the um, of the cover of the book, and and we'll sign it. You know, the, the the three of us that wrote the book will sign these pictures, and and you can carry that. Cool. So one one Thursday morning in in October ten years ago, I'm standing outside, and there's a star crossing the sky, and and on that star is my astronaut friend's son. Um, whose video, you know, who who to me was a fictional video game character, you know, this fictional video game character from the 80s, uh, um, whose dad is my astronaut friend, is <laughs> on a Russian spaceship with my autograph. And, and, and it's like, if I could go back to sixth grade and try and communicate, you know, Okay, hey, you know those video games you play. You know that fictional guy in the video games. Okay, you know you know the Soviet Union, right? <laughs> so twenty years from now, you know, or however many years from now, you know that fictional video game character is going to be, you know, on on a Soviet Soyuz. Except it's not going to be Soviet. Just trust me on this. You know <laughs> what? You know, and that's there's no part of this that isn't that. Um, you know, that's that's 
that's how unlikely all of this is. And so, you know, yeah, it's 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 almost the reverse. Cool. Man. It's not. Do I do I communicate to the kids the the wonder versus the reality of the the grounded view? It kind of the biggest challenge in this day and age is almost to communicate the reality of the wonder versus the grounded view. I mean, it's it's fun. I love I love talking to you know you, you talk to kids that uh you know I mean at this point anybody in school anybody pretty much um, who is in school today you can go to them and you can say do you realize that for every second of every moment of every day of your life human beings have been living and working in space like there is not a moment that you have been alive that there has not been a human being in outer space and what's really really cool about that is they don't think that's really really cool (laughs) because to them that's like me coming to you and saying do you realize that your entire life automobiles have existed right well yeah duh they've been around my whole life i mean (laughs) By definition, I, should it not be that way? It's always been that way. They, they, kids have a harder time fathoming a world where there's not human beings living and sp- working in space because, duh, that's that's how, how it works. Well, yeah, why isn't you, there more of you, a uh, like through NASA or just a way? Because I know there are like feeds and things like that where you can you can check out a little bit of the space station. But I, just to get a real sense of like the comings and goings, because it is almost like clocking into work and like, hey, you guys were here. All right. Hope nobody left their stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just such a it's like a diner that people are coming into and out of. And it's 24 hours a day. And I don't I don't think I have a real solid understanding of like how frequently are vessels docking to it and people transporting back and forth. I, I, those things, I, I wish there were um, a, a more public offering to be like here here's it, it would just get to be so boring i guess it would be the same hey. as like gm rolled off a bunch of new pontiac things today I'm like yeah they do that all the time i don't care could i tell you man i tell you what if you're gonna watch the space station one day next week it should be this day the reality is i, I would have a very hard time doing that i mean like i would have a hard time and, and part of that's my ignorance i mean i, I couldn't tell you what's going on you know, on a on a day to day, week to week basis uh, on the space station, it's a science lab. You know, it's 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 a science lab. Um, they are doing scientific research. Um, they live there. They uh, you know, the, the it's a gym. They you know they 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 have to do workouts to uh, to maintain their their muscle mass, their bone mass, and to some extent, it's every bit as exciting as somebody waking up in the morning, going to the gym, going to work at a science lab coming home, watching a movie, going to bed is, I mean, it's, it, you know, <laughs> if, if you never look out their window, that's what we're doing. You know, I mean, it's, it's the reality of life, just not on earth. I was thinking back to like you talking to the kids and then also thinking of you like breaking down what you, what they are doing and making that uh, in some way palatable or just, you know, Oh, here, here's so the layperson can understand it. Is it ever monotonous or is it ever like, yeah, man, this again, or, you know, do this, do any of the, um, missions or operations or things like that start to bleed together? Or does it always feel like a real challenge? Are there things that sometimes test you where you're like, I don't know how to explain this. This is so bizarre. So particularly, you know, back in, in, in that phase of my career, when I was, you know, kind of doing the, the education writing, you have the, the challenges at either end of the spectrum of, one, you know, so I'm writing stuff for teachers to use in their classroom. I'm using stuff to be used in, you know, K4, 5, 8, 9, 12 grade classrooms. Um, so the assignment one time is, hey, there's this guy and he's working on a uh, magnet, uh, variable specific impulse magnet plasma rocket. Would you mind writing something about that for, uh, you know, for, <laughs> for for third grade teachers to use in their classroom? Yeah. <laughs> you use the word special a lot. You know, I mean, <laughs> he's working on a special engine that <laughs> does special things in space so you know so there yes there is the oh my goodness how do i take this and and make it accessible end of it um but yeah certainly you know i mean towards the uh towards the end of the space shuttle program um writing about um you know writing stories to let teachers know about every space shuttle flight hey here's what's going on in this space shuttle flight and, and towards the end was what's going on in the space shuttle flight was they're delivering cargo 
I mean, you know, we're, we're getting ready to stop flying the space shuttle. We're not, don't know, you know, what the, what the future plan looks like exactly. Um, we know the folks living up there probably want to continue to eat. <laughs> so we should, we should be equipping them, you know, for the long term. And so, you know, there, there was a period where, you know, what's this flight? Well, you know, they're, they're taking food and equipment to the astronauts. What's the next flight? Well, they're, they're taking food and equipment to the astronauts. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, the, the Passover Seder celebration, you know, culminates in the question, how is this night different from all other nights? I, I had on my wall, uh, how is this flight different from all other flights? And just, you know, okay, <laughs> you, you've got to find that piece of how, you know, this one is different from the last one, even if, you know, it's, it's Mexican night this time. It's, um, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, so, and, 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 and the reality was, you know, you have to scratch the surface. You have to actually do some work sometimes to, uh, to, to kind of crack that nut and find that angle. But, but it was always there. Mm-hmm. And then what, so what are you now, you've transitioned kind of from that. And then you, I know one of your books is like homesteading space. And then I'm forgetting the title of the one previous to that. So Homesteading Space was the uh, was the first of the two, and it is a story of the uh, the Skylab space station um, that you know astronauts lived on 1973, 1974. Um, just kind of the the entire you know, hey, I've got a good idea for a space station through crashing down over Australia in 1979. Scope of that program. The second one, Bold They Rise, is a uh, is a history of the space shuttle program. Again, kind of through. Hey, why don't we build a space plane through the uh, through the Challenger accident? And so it's both of these are part of a larger series, um, the Outward Odyssey series published by the University of Nebraska Press. So there's a another book written by a different author that picks the space shuttle program up in '86 and follows it down through Wheel Stop. The the, the name of the book is Wheel Stop um, for the um, for the final flight of the space shuttle seven years ago. And uh, and so yeah, so those are the the two that I did cool man i i love when someone is so passionate and finds like very specific kind of you know i want to zero in on this period and i want to study just the aspects of that i'm um are you familiar with mary roach yes yes i just read packing for mars two weeks ago isn't it great yes i feel like you guys would be good good pals Nah, I, I would I, I would spend the entire time intensely jealous of, of her ability to humanize this. Um, having that outside perspective, you know, you you live in anything too long and it, it becomes normal for you. And, uh, you know, I'm reading that book and I'm, and I'm loving reading that world through the eyes of someone for whom it's not normal. And I love that she just, you know, she captures that human absurdity of uh of all of it and oh yeah i mean i i, I think she'd you know like the things that i'm sure maybe an editor looked at him like does this need to be in there because it's you know how to have sex in space or how do they figure out how to use the toilet or the and she's pretty graphic in some of the stuff where you're like but that's really necessary and really interesting beyond like getting the human body figuring it out you know like could it go these speeds how would you lock it in during a takeoff how would it free fall etc it's like all the little minor minor details that you i don't think we well, I, I would exclude you from this because you're very well aware of it but the, the rest of us kind of just think like hey you throw a spacesuit on you crank into that ship and you just launch out there every bolt every tension every seam or gap in any sort of apparel everything has been so well thought out and has a backup and like a double backup plan for it and when you're around that world does it seem like that all the time like it's just so in-depthly thought out i I joke that i i I joke because i want it to be a joke that the next book that i do is going to be titled life is rocket science and it's going to be like a self-help book that is here's how nasa does things here's here's why nasa takes the approach that it does on things like you say like redundancy Mm -hmm. and and here's what it means in real life like here's how your life can be better um through taking some of these basic principles, um, you know, this is at a basic level, your, your, uh, your car has a spare tire, you know, for the very reasons that you're talking about with, with that you know, inspection and redundancy and, and attention to detail. It's fun. You know, it's fun living in an environment where, where that's, that's how people work. Um, a, a good friend of mine said one morning that, uh, that he, he got to work. He arrived at work. He arrived at work two minutes early. And from that, he realized that he hadn't brushed his teeth. <laughs> um, 
because he's an engineer. Uh, his morning is optimized. He, he's on a schedule. Everything runs down the checklist the same way. And uh, so from the fact that there was an off nominal outcome, you know, two minutes early, backtracked through the checklist and realized, oh, this step was uh, was 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 left out. Um, the average person doesn't work that way. Like that's, <laughs> that's that's not how most people function. But that's that's, you know, you. You tell that story here in Huntsville, and people are like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see that. You know, I mean, it, it, not me personally, but I know that guy. I know people that do that. <laughs> I um looking around on your website a little bit, seeing that you do, like, some improv as well. Is that purely just the joy, or is there an element to, like, get away from it and to have some non-structured sort of activity in your life? Yes and yes. I, I So I've been involved in improv in Huntsville for, uh, gosh, I guess about a decade, and I have worked with gosh, you know, four or five people doing improv that worked um, at Marshall Space Flight Center, either as, as NASA employees or as contractors. And so there's a little bit of needing that that other, needing that thing that is so not the day job, you know, that, that uh, you know, kind of leaving work and coming home to something that's that's 180 degrees different to, to, to get that out. Um, for me personally, kind of the older I get, the more I find myself congregating around the, uh, the idea of story, um, the idea of narrative. And so for every, in everything, that's kind of the through line that things ultimately come back to. And so, you know, for me, the day job, the books, um, improv ultimately are all manifestations of, of that idea of story or narrative. Uh, I mean, can you, I, I think I follow, but like more specifically, like just the, I, I'm not quite capturing like how just the narrative of your life, you mean? Uh, well, okay. So, so when I'm talking, you know, throughout this conversation, we're talking about space. Every, every conversation that we've been having about space, almost all of them have, have come down to story. You know, I mean, I could sit here and I could, you know, I mean, gosh, okay. So the Skylab space station launched in 1973 and the idea was to, uh, you know, it, it consisted of a spent S-4B stage from a, a Saturn V rocket that used, you know, um, locked hydrogen, actually, it was, a, you know, a, the Hydrolox propellant, yada, yada, yada. And and, and it's going to be a boring conversation. I mean, you know, <laughs> read the book. It's it's fascinating in the book. Um, but, you know, we're, we're talking about kids in, in, in Times Square. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Mars through people in Times Square watching a, a robot land on Mars. You know, that's 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 what resonates with people you know i mean the, the, the stories the human aspect oh, of it gotcha. is is where people get engaged and so you know when i'm doing improv it's very very much about communal creation of of story it's about you know i'm, I'm in this partnership with this other person i'm in partnership with these other people and we're creating story that's that's driving forward what we're doing and and it's fun because it's it's natural story. Um, it's story that's being created from a deeper, without intent, right? There's no goal. If I'm if I'm if I'm telling you a story about Mars, it's because I I want you to think something about Mars. If I'm doing improv, I have no goal for what you think. I I haven't had the opportunity to think that far, so I'm just kind of throwing out the raw stuff of story on on a stage and seeing what comes of it. And then afterwards, oh, okay, hey. You know, I, I think maybe where that came from, I think why that worked or that didn't is is this. And so it's it's kind of a, uh, a laboratory for doing good or bad story by accident. Yeah, it's. I mean, that makes complete sense that you could stand up is kind of the opposite where you're preparing it and then going and trying to effectively communicate it improv, though, to to stumble on something like, hey, that resonated with people. And that is a good thing to just know and have in your back pocket for when the next time you're trying to communicate something or that makes complete sense. Yeah. I've, I've never done stand up. It, it that scares me. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I've tried, I mean, I've, I've, I've never tried to the point of I'm, I'm standing on stage doing this, but I've, I have sat down before I had, you know, on my phone, a, a, a permanent note file where, you know, okay, this is, this is joke fodder, right? I'm, I'm going to, uh, because I'm a funny guy and I'm a guy that can stand up in front of people and talk. And that's all stand up is, is being funny while standing up in front of people and talking. And no, it's, it's so not. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, no, I just can't crack that up. But a lot of it is on my own sitting on my phone. I, I can't have the confidence that the thing that I just put down works. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, it, the, the uh, bravery to this is a thing that's that's good in Dave's mind. Or, you know, is 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 the voting public going to agree? <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. To you, I, sir. It's, uh, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I, uh, I it is funny. Like the to a certain degree, like if you're appealing to the masses and stand up is the most like concentrated way to kind of do that. That could be an indictment on on your sensibilities to a certain degree as you, and I, maybe I have a more negative outlook on the general population, but if they as a whole are really loving something, I'm going to really go through it with a fine tooth comb and be like, what are these idiots into now? And so, so that can be detrimental to a certain degree. Cause you, at some point have to go like, ah, you might see someone that you think is really funny. And, uh, and they just don't resonate with the crowd and go, Oh, of course not. Like they, they are operating on this level that, I I I really enjoy, but I get why other people might not. It's it's pretty pretty foreign or something like that. And um, I guess that's every level of communication. Like you have to figure out, you know, when you're writing books. Like that seems even more challenging than stand up because at least then your ideas you can go out and get some return on and be like, okay, I think this is a good chapter. People seem to really dig it. But you're kind of going out cold with just like the words on the page and and sending it out. Like I think these are good. So it's similar in that way. I, I have the advantage of if you if you go out and you buy a book about the Skylab space station program, you have pre-screened yourself pretty hard there, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I have no illusion that I'm going to be the next, you know, John Grisham or Dan Brown or anything, right? I mean, I, I've got an audience. <laughs> and, uh, and, and if you're the sort of person – my promise to you, if you're the sort of person who would like to go out and buy a book about the Skylab Space Station program, you will probably enjoy homesteading space. <laughs> uh, and I can say that with some degree of confidence versus – I'm a person who likes things that are funny. Oh gosh, you know, I mean, we all like things that are funny, but we don't necessarily all think the same things are, you know. I mean, so yeah, I, I have, I yeah, a, a huge, huge advantage in the uh, the self pre screening of my audience that <laughs> that uh, that a stand up doesn't. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, you got them kind of built in just by the. But I, I think that goes back to maybe some degree, which has got to feel good in every aspect of what you're involved in, in that if you want to be in music, but maybe you don't um, have a great ear or a great voice, you, you could be an A&R person or even just work at the, at the front desk of a place or, you know, be just an assistant to someone and still feel like, oh man, our album just won a Grammy. Like, whoa, whoa, you were the assistant to the producer. You were so far removed from the artist. Like, nah, but I helped. I was there. I was in on some of the sessions. I got to listen to it. I got to see him mix it. I was there in some way. And that's maybe all everyone is trying to be a part of is just something, whether it's the space program or, you know, yes, the the scientists are designing all of the telemetry features and et cetera, the, the arcs and the vectors and, and everything that goes into getting this thing to actually get where it's going. But to communicate it, to express it, to be a part of it, it's, it's got to feel kind of the same way. It's, so there's, there's a, a joke at Marshall, and there's probably different jokes similar to this everywhere. And there may be a grain to the truth to this. I don't know, but it's been told so many times, so different way, many different ways. But you know, so the, the, the joke goes, back in the early 60s, you know, President Kennedy comes to, to Marshall, and, and they're there, and they're building the Saturn V rockets, and they're, they're getting ready for man on the moon, and Kennedy's coming to, to check it out. And, and, uh, and he's going through... As he's going through, he notices these two janitors, you know, two janitors, and one of them is just he's he's down and and he's he's beat and he looks like he's oh man he's he's miserable, and the other guy is he's just having a great time. I mean, like he's they're they're doing the same job. The, the first guy clearly miserable doing it. The second guy, man, so excited to to you know be a janitor to be cleaning up this floor, and so he uh you know he he he, he kind of pulls aside and he goes to each of them and he's you know, the first guy he says you know so so what do you do here. And he says, well, you know, I'm a janitor and then I'm, I'm responsible for cleaning up. And, you know, the, the, the cleanliness standards here are ridiculous. You know, they've got these rockets. And so everything has to be perfectly spotless, but they're so messy. And so it's, it's incumbent on me to, uh, you know, to, to clean up after them. And even though, you know, they had these standards of perfection, they don't bother keeping it. And so I've got to work extra hard to, to do all of that. And, you know, and it's just it's 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 unreal. And I'm like, OK. And, and he goes to the second guy and the second guy. You know, so so what do you do here? I'm helping to put man on the moon. <laughs> and the thing is, both are true, you right. know, but, but, uh, both are true, 
but which one which one you are is uh is kind of everything you know and um so yeah you know i mean i i have never you don't want me to turn bolts like you don't want me to turn bolts you don't want me to do math like don't don't let me near the math that needs to be done <laughs> right i'm i am i i, I do nothing to to materially contr- contribute to the the future but but will i claim you know oh yeah man i'm i'm helping oh sure you know it's shaking bacon i help <laughs> no but i agree i think you are yeah, you know, sure. I, even just like uh spending a little time with because this is even the next step down like you might feel like i'm i'm not a, a, a rocket scientist and i'm involved in this and then you distribute or um disseminate information to a, a different group and then i am the tier maybe several rungs below that it's like i think i get what you're saying here and i think there's value in that like eventually it would spread down to where everyone would have some familiarity with it if they're so inclined i mean obviously similarly to uh, the skylab project people that would listen to this podcast have to have a a similar sort of uh niche kind right. of uh interest in things but still i i think it gets it out there in a in a cool way and i don't want to take up all your time today but i have a couple questions for you if you have time before we adjourn okay certainly okay the first of certainly. which is it can be looked at in an, through a number of different lenses, but it's purely um, up to the uh, beholder. There's, there is a button, and by pushing this button, you will end human life on Earth. No one feels any pain, and they go wherever they think they're going to go, or whatever's next. Whatever is next happens to them, whether that's nothing or if there's an afterlife, etc. But it effectively eliminates humans, um, and you have control over that. Would you in any way be tempted to push that button? Oh gosh, no. Okay. No, 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 no one ever no, no. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I've listened and I've heard the question. I've heard people ask, you know, and I realized watching uh, uh, Infinity War this weekend that anybody that says yes is lying. Um, <laughs> if, if you answer yes to that question, you're a liar. <laughs> okay, um, good to know. Be, because by the fact that you were around to say yes to that question, you have demonstrated that you do, in fact, believe that there is value in human beings on this planet. We can opt out at any time. The fact that 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 you wake up in the morning and uh, and you know and get on Skype or or go to uh, to the space cave and and have a conversation with Dave shows that you know no really you think that there's some merit to this. <laughs> uh, so no, and I do. I think there's the moon's not going to explore itself. I mean, we're we're kind of to the best of our the best of our knowledge right now and until it's proven otherwise we are the cosmos's greatest tool for understanding itself and and you can you know whatever your background on what are your whatever your philosophy some element of that still rings true you know i mean from a from you know from a, a religious standpoint you know generally most faiths have some idea that uh you know that, that there's you know an intellect driving it that wants to be understood if you if you believe you know that, that this is it then then this is it you know uh you know i think knowledge and understanding are are goods and that there is value in us experiencing the world in a way that gives it some gosh this is cold gives it some taxonomy what does so, uh, taxonomy no, mean no not for heartbeat Hmm? Uh, I'm unfamiliar with the, the I'm term sorry? taxonomy. What does that mean? Categorization, naming it. Um, oh, gotcha. Okay. Sorting it out. Okay. Yeah. I, I As you were talking, I was realizing that this question could eventually going forward be a good thing to just be um, kind of a, a catalyst to get people to say really uh, thoughtful, eloquent things that and now I have the MP3. So if <laughs> for for whatever reason I, you, you're in need and say this is very bleak or dark, but like what a lovely thing to play at uh, your retirement ceremony or or even a memorial service, and people go, "Wow, that really sums him up. That's gorgeous." So I thought that was <laughs> maybe too dark. Well, and you know, and 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 when the day comes when uh you know when the aliens do arrive and, and they do you know come to to, to take over the earth and uh, and humanity is put on trial and uh you know why why should this species exist we're going to as exhibit a you know call up your uh call up your <laughs> records here's our merit here's our value you know no we should just listen out. to this before and, uh, you strike that ray. Okay, the next question, I guess. If you've listened to the show, then you've heard this one as well, and you probably uh, have a, a... No, I always started off after that one. 
Oh. <laughs> so you're, you're huge and you're outside of the normal bounds of what our universe is and you're holding the universe in your hands and it is roughly comparatively proportionally the size of like a basketball what does it feel like to you what does our universe look and or feel like in your giant huge hands yeah and say I'm, I'm disadvantaged by this one because the the last answer that i heard was a hundred percent right and that it's nothing um <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty good one. That you could just wave right through it, and just tiny little particles would be all the, the things. Yeah, hopefully not everyone listens to that one. Density. Yeah, yeah, I got to come up with a new question because then that one he really he really solved it in a lot of people's (laughs) minds. I think. (laughs) If you are listening now and and you plan on being on this show, stop the podcast now. Don't listen anymore. Uh, (laughs) So these questions, the next question will be fresh for you. Continue. (laughs) Um, That's it. Those are my two hard hitting final questions. David hit. Uh, You've been a fantastic guest. I really enjoyed this, and um, this Madura um, brown ale is pretty pretty tasty. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Yeah. Well, I hope if you find oh, I've yourself- enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for, for having me and taking the time to talk to me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, we'll hopefully catch you in person at some point down the road. So uh, you need to come to Huntsville, go to space camp. I would love to. <laughs> Make it happen. I like that David hit. If you live in Huntsville, go say hi to him. Go check out some of his improv. Get those books that he mentioned. I'll put some links up online to, to his work, or you can just search him. David Hitt, H-I-T-T, cool name. As he mentioned, you have to have like a certain specific sort of interest. But I would imagine some of you listening to this probably do. So if you get a chance and get one of those books, he's on Twitter. You can reach him. And last episode, uh, the beginning chat was with Robert Picardo. And Dave reached out afterward and was like, this is pretty cool. I'm on the same podcast as this guy who I've... I've admired from afar for a long time. So that felt really cool. And if you want to listen to the extended chat with uh, me and Bob Picardo, that's in the Patreon. Thanks again to those of you who do subscribe and support the show. That way it helps with beer and music and uh, web hosting and on and on, all the things. So I appreciate that. And uh, if you haven't supported the show in any way and you've listened to a number of them now, well, maybe it's time to, to give a little rating or something like that. Just a small little measure to help the show goes a long way and i appreciate it all right let's get out of here with some music this is um, from an album that's coming out pretty soon i like this band i hope you do as well this is from vacationer it's called magnetism thanks for stopping by the space cave it's magnetism by the time i look in your Station. Mm-hmm.